Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Heather. Today, we are joined by broker and real estate consultant, Ellen Barron. If you are interested in buying or selling in Chicago or the Northern suburbs, working with Ellen, you can expect a solid knowledge base of neighborhoods, homes, and schools. Ellen's grasp of the history and market along the late run and surrounding neighborhoods is unique. As one client said, Ellen is stellar. She maintains a vast array of personal relationships that allow for organic and effective advertising. She sold our place in weeks, in the dead of winter. She was also a clear, concise communicator who made the process easy. Welcome, Ellen. How are you today? I am great. Just terrific. Business is good, family's healthy, and I'm very excited to be here today. That's great to hear. Um, Why don't we just start by, you can tell us a little bit about yourself. You are from the Chicagoland area, right? Yes, absolutely. I grew up in Elmwood Park and Oak Park, and I've lived in the city of Chicago since I started school at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago when I was, I think I was 18 or 19, something like that. Um, It was the year of the big snowstorm, and it was really interesting. My first home was in Rogers Park, which is just a little bit north of here, and I've lived in Lakeview and uh, most recently in Edgewater Glen area for 18 years, and then also in Rogers Park for the last 19 years, which is really weird because I'm only 25. (laughs) (laughs) Funny how years can work like that. Yeah, yeah. So how did you get into real estate as a graduate of the Art Institute? Well, um, there was a little bit of history be- before that. Um, I, Like I said, I have my BFA from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Um, after that, I got a couple jobs, and I ended up working, continuing in the arts at the Second City Theater here in Chicago. I was there for a very long time in sales, uh, 23 years I was there. And um, one of the things that that taught me was project management. I was in charge of group sales, dinner show, event management, benefits and buyouts. And for the first 13 years, I waited tables in the room and saw the shows. It was really terrific. Um, Another um, thing is that in the late 80s, I did get my license, um, and I was working in real estate back then. That was when interest rates were at 12%, by the way, a little bit different. I worked with a Century 21 company. A family member became ill, and I couldn't work at the theater and sell real estate and take care of him all at the same time, and I chose to take care of him, so I... Um, dropped out of real estate for a little while. Uh, more recently, I decided to go back into real estate sales. It's a wonderful career. It's a great career move. And um, as a single mom, I decided to get my license renewed again. And I work with the company, I'm sure you know it, it's App Properties. I've been with App Properties for 13 years now. When I started, the company had 250 realtors and four offices. And we now are close to 3,000 agents with about 24 offices thrown the Midwest area here, specifically Michigan, uh, Indiana, uh, Wisconsin, and the Chicagoland area. So um, it's wonderful. The experiences that I had at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, really looking back on my life, I've learned that the things that have lended themselves to my real estate career are project management, as well as the fact that I studied photography, and I have an eye for photographs. So as far as the project management goes, Make art, when you have a goal of what you'd like to make, you set up the step-by-step process and you do the step-by-step process and you reach that goal. As far as real estate is concerned, it's a process. Getting the home ready for sale, um, working with the clients, working with the people who become involved at the transaction once you have a contract. Um, And so that's really helped a lot. Another thing that has really helped is my eye for photography. Because when I help people stage their homes, 
I stage for the photo shoot primarily, and secondly, which of course is also the online presence, and secondarily for the wow factor in the home. And when I say staging, I don't ask people to rent furniture. That's not how I, that's not my method. My method is to help them declutter and then use what they already have to stage their home. It usually means rearranging furniture. Sometimes it means taking photographs or uh, framed pieces that are in one area of the house and, or a condo and put them into another area. We want to create a sense of depth. We also want to stage for the photo shoot where, and keep in mind that as uh, people who read English, we look at pictures from left to right the same way we read. So we want to create an image to um, allow for the viewer to see the depth of the property and really take their eye around the photograph. And then again, for the wow factor. So those things right there have really come into play and have really helped me a lot. Who knew? <laughs> kind of come, comes full circle then. It really does. Um, so you mentioned a little bit some of your designations. So can we talk about those a little bit more? We know that you are um, a senior real estate specialist, a certified negotiation expert, and green realtor. What do those all mean? And what makes you stand out as an agent? Well, I'll start with the green. Um, as a green agent, I've had a higher level of training than some other folks may have to understand the um, the idiosyncrasies, I think that's the word, of the different types of, for example, new green technology that's out there. So, for example, um, when you are looking into um, buying a new water heater, some people might want to have a, a tankless water heater where the tank is very small, it heats up the water hot, you know, quickly and pushes it out through the system. Um, that would be for radiator heat. Um, the fact of the matter is that it may not be worth the extra $6,000 you're paying if you're only going to be living there for a few years and save a couple hundred dollars. So it's kind of like six and one, half a dozen in the other. You have to understand those. Another thing is that, uh, for example, getting new windows. I personally live in a home that was built in 1883. I've been there for 19 years. It's in Rogers Park, and uh, it's wonderful. It's solid wood, lath and plath construction, and, um, um, and uh, cloth foot bathtubs. Um, so when I bought my house, I didn't tear out the windows and, and uh, put new windows in. I bought new storms and screens. To me, you have to weigh out whether or not you want your things to be dumped in a garbage heap somewhere, polluting the earth, or if you want to really use what you have already and make it better. Um, for example, instead of putting siding up on the house, I insulated the home and um, put new storm doors on, you know, that, kinds of, that kind of thing. So that's part of it. And also... Um, some other aspects of it. As far as the seniors real estate specialist is concerned, I have a higher level of knowledge about working with people who are um, over the age of 55. And uh, that's actually two generations in particular. One is the GI generation, which is probably our parents and grandparents. And the other generation is the baby boomers. So for example, big difference between the GI generation is that they trust everybody. If a doctor tells them, take this green pill four times a day for three weeks, and then wait a week and take it another three weeks, they'll do it. Baby boomers don't trust anybody. So, you know, it's a little bit different kind of mindset, and you want to make sure that you're addressing those issues. Another thing is health. Uh, people have, you know, older people may have some health issues that come up. Um, they also may have family that are involved with the sale. It may be family members who are selling the property because the owners of the property have passed away. So there's different kinds of things that are uh, related to that and helping seniors and really understanding what the 
uh, logistics are of getting the home ready for sale. It takes a little bit longer usually too. Yeah. Do you have a, a particular experience that you can share about that? I imagine that's kind of a tough client and a kind of a, a kind of a tough transaction to get through. Just your sometimes, you know, you often see properties listed for sale where it's been in one person's hands for 30 plus years. I imagine that that's, that's a little bit more difficult. Um, that's interesting. I, I actually have a two flat for sale right now in Westridge that um, is family owned. They, it's been owned by one family since it was built um, in the late 1950s. I believe it was purchased in 1958. It's a mid-century modern two flat. And um, grandma and grandpa lived there and until um, they passed away, I think about 20 or 25 years ago. So the family member that I'm working with now grew up going there. And um, so it's very emotional for this have this the sale. And also, um, you know, letting go of that past history of the family. It's that's something that needs to be considered when um working with the uh the family member. I have a couple other stories too, um, which really um the reaction to what happened during the transaction, of course, was one of empathy and understanding. Um I sold a home recently in Edgewater where um we they did we did a great job of staging the property and it was under contract within 10 days the buyer was very excited about it everything was coming together nicely and um the seller became very s- sick and ended up in the hospital mr seller i should say became very sick and ended up in the hospital in the emergency room and they had to intubate him and he was um uh, sedated for about 2 weeks well the closing was supposed to be in 5 days so all of a sudden he couldn't sign, which is not a big deal in the scheme of things because he was really sick. So the emotions that came up at that time, you asked about the emotions. The emotions that came up were, of course, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. Oh my gosh, look at him. This is so sad. Um, the buyer needed to move in. Her condo was selling and she needed to move in. The attorneys had never handled something like this. All of us um, really at an arm's length from the situation itself, um, you know, took, I don't want to make it sound flip, but we took a deep breath and said, oh my gosh, how do we handle this? And uh, we handled it with kindness and care, you know, loving kindness and care. That's yeah. how you handle something like that. And fortunately, he's doing really well. I saw him just recently and and um, it was so good to see him and he's doing great. And they're happy that the sale happened. Um, family members stepped up and helped with the packing and all of that stuff. And the attorneys got together. Um, we actually ended up letting the buyer move in early because with loving kindness, that was the right thing to do, you know? Um, another, so that's, that's an example. Another example is I was working with a couple who I was referred to. Um, this is an interesting story now that I'm speaking it. A client of mine from the late 80s who I sold her house to recommended me to her girlfriend's parents. The girlfriend's parents are in their 80s. They lived in their condo on Lakeshore Drive for almost 30 years, and they were in um, ready to move and downsize to their second home in Maine. And um, we started working together, and um, we thought we were going to be able to list it within about six months, helping them downsize and you know pack things away and stuff. Um, they went on vacation, and going up to his daughter's staircase on Thanksgiving, he fell and broke his hip in Ohio. So. Okay, 
that's okay. You know, the health is the most important thing. So over and over, um, just to make this story short, um, over and over, I've come to realize that we're working with people. It's not like you're buying a record or, you know, a book or do people buy records and books anymore? Yeah, <laughs> sure they, they do. do. Okay. So um, we can point them in that yes, direction women later and children on. First, absolutely. <laughs> and right upstairs. And right upstairs. Okay. Yep, so, absolutely. Um, so it's not like you're buying a table or a chair to furnish your home. These are people's lives that we're mm-hmm. talking about. And I've learned to uh, be a support for the people that are going through these things and really help them. And some of the testimonials that you'll find online at my website at ellenbarron.com clearly state how I help people. There's about, I think there's about 20 testimonials on there. So um, I'm really glad to be a part of it. It's kind of like my contemporary and older. I'm the kid at the table when I work with older people, you know, of certain age. And um, it's really fun. Is that a good way to feel young then? You just surround yourselves with? No, I don't do that on purpose. But you know what? I'll tell you, I really... Um, love learning. And that gets me back to this other designation because the um, certified negotiation expert, seniors real estate specialist, and the green designation, I took additional training. I love learning about situations. I go to events. I go to um, instructional meetings that you sponsor and that other chambers have sponsored and try and learn about the different ways that uh, businesses get licensed in the city of Chicago, different um, licenses that you need for certain types of uh, storefronts, you know, that kind of thing. I'm working with a couple right now who are looking for a theater space here in in Edgewater, specifically Edgewater, because we know that the marketing for the theaters in Edgewater is phenomenal. So we're looking for a single story or a single story with a uh, living space upstairs that this young um, couple can put their um, theater company in to join the group that are already here. So... um, do you do a lot of commercial work like that, or? Um, I do. I do some, and the commercial work that I do. This is new for me, but the connection between my background in theater and the fact that I know real estate and the fact that I know Edgewater so well is really a no-brainer for them to work with me. Um, they found me online, and when I read what he wrote to me, "Hi, I'm. I have a theater company, and I want to buy a theater, a theater space, blah 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 blah." I thought, "Oh my gosh." This is like made in heaven. And when I called him and I told him about my background, um, he really was excited to meet me too. And so we're working together. I also have, I have sold um, commercial properties, meaning two to four flats. Those are considered commercial. I guess you could, investment properties are not necessarily commercial properties, but, um, you know, I do know how to do it. So yeah, it's a little bit different. And as far as the certified negotiation expert designation, uh, there's a method to negotiating. Who knew? I never was taught when I was growing up. I certainly didn't learn it in art school. So when I started back in real estate and this class was offered by App Properties, I took it. And I also took a higher level of training at the Chicago Association of Realtors to get my designation. It is a National Association of Realtors designation, by the way. And it just helps me take a step back, look at the contract. Um, Typically what I do is when we receive a contract for the sale of a property, before I even call the seller, I read the entire contract. I make notes about each particular aspect of the negotiation that we'll need to um, discuss. It's not just about price. It's about timing. It's about them actually being able to afford it, you know, through a pre-qualification letter and all of that. So, um, and then I call the seller 
and I say we have something, and then we discuss it, and we figure out the next step. For me personally, I found in my business that it's usually three or four back and forths between the sell side and the buy side. And so I prepare my seller for that. I also prepare my buyers for that when I'm working with buyers. So um, it's really, really, really helped me to take a step back, separate myself from the end result, if you will, and do what's best for the client always. And have you had any last minute closing day kind of fires to put out? Yes, I had one this morning. Did you? <laughs> yes, I did. As a matter of fact, I'm, I am working with, um, so I've been working with this couple for a couple years now. They're wonderful people. I've actually known the family for 35 years, and they're El Salvadorian. Check this out. You know, Andersonville and uh, Edgewater and Rogers Park. So I worked with this client's uh, sister and brother-in-law. I worked with the brother-in-law 35 years ago at the Heartland Cafe. In the early 80s, I waited tables there, and he was the dishwasher. That's okay. Yeah, it was really cool. He's really he's older than me, by about 20 years older than me, but we've known each other all these years because we live in the same area. I helped him and his wife buy his son a condo in Rogers Park, and now his brother-in-law and sister-in-law are helping are, are using my services. So I've been working th- with them for a while, and I was contacted not long ago by um, a representative from a local church, and they're selling their parish. And so I... Um, they wanted to work with someone who knew the area very well. I live about a block and a half from the property, and we're working together. And in the back of my mind, I knew that these clients of mine would absolutely love this townhouse. So I called them after the contract was signed, and sure enough, you know, I got them in right away, and they put in an offer, and um, everything's going along smoothly, except the association isn't as... Um, organized as some other associations. And so they need some help last minute. We're supposed to close this week. We're going to have to postpone it, which is okay because everybody's on board with this. Um, But last minute, um, I need to step in and help the president of the association to put together a organized budget. They have the budget in their minds. They know what they're doing. They know where all the money is, but they haven't organized it on a spreadsheet. Yes to submit to the lender for the mm-hmm. final review. So yeah, that's a big fire. And um, I'm working with both sides of the transaction. That's called dual agency. It happens just a few times a year, maybe two or three times a year at the most. I am fortunate enough to work with the buyer and the seller as well. So there's, I'm communicating with both sides of the transaction, You know, the, both attorneys, the sellers and the buyers, the mortgage professionals and, and the assistants and- So many yeah. people. Involved yeah. in these processes. Yeah, it's it's true. You don't really think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, people, I don't know what people think really, but I think that a lot of people think we just stand at open houses and point. We look pretty and point at things, you know, but we don't. It's such an involved hide, career. Hide the box of cookies and pretend they're, <laughs> they're homemade. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and uh, and it, it's really involved. Every time there's a new transaction, we have two agents, two attorneys, any assistants that are involved. We have, let's just say, two sellers and two buyers. The, the, appra- o- the overbearing mother-in-law. <laughs> the uh, appraiser, the inspector, and um, whoever else is involved. So it can easily be run up to like 14 or 15 people. And do you know how many people are named Jessica? So it's really, you know. We keeping, can Google that. <laughs> <laughs> keeping track of who, which Jessica is coming from where and who they're working with. And some people don't put signatures on their emails. And so um, it's a lot. So I did put out a couple fires today. And I love what I do. 
I really do. It's funny that you mentioned Jessica because we work with our events for our as our production company for Midsummer Fest, and they have a handful of Jessicas oh, really? working there. And so it's like Jesse yes and Jesse R and yeah. And so it's like which like oh that's Jess and that's Jesse and that's Jessica like. Like, like you're supposed to remember it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, but that's very interesting that you threw that out as an example. We talk about the, you know, when I was growing up, Jennifer's were everywhere from like 76 to like 82. So that's when everyone named their kid Jennifer. Well, there aren't the same way, but yeah. you don't really come upon many people naming their children Jennifer anymore. So, yeah. And yeah. there aren't too many Ellen's. So uh, most of us are older and some of us are really young, but um, you don't, you don't hear too many. Mary Ellen is more popular, I think, than Ellen. Mm. But anyway, that's another story. And I just want to say um, one other thing. I'm also going to be getting my designation. uh, I know we're recording this October 15th. And I'm getting my designation as a pricing strategy specialist as well. So I'm going to, I've I've had training in pricing already. But I just feel like um, working at the higher price points that I've been working at recently, I really want to get more knowledge and more solid information about the strategy of how to price properties. So that's one more thing. Yeah. And speaking of that, can you can you talk more about the benefits of home ownership? And is it still more favorable to own than rent if that's financially accessible to you? Well, I think it's always better to own. I believe that there's a pride of ownership and there's a sense of security in owning your home that you may not have as a renter. Uh, for example, during the downturn of the market years ago, people lost their jobs. A lot of people lost their jobs. In fact, I had just started in real estate, back in real estate in 07. The crash was in 08, just to put a reference to that. Um, And people who were renters, some of them got kicked out of their homes. People were owning? That was a different story. Initially, a lot of people were being evicted. But the uh, federal government put a kibosh on that. I think the city of Chicago started first that you could not evict anybody based on their lost income because there were so many people becoming displaced. So if you owned your own home, the obstacles that people had to go through to get you to move out were much greater. And I know quite a few people who almost lost their homes to foreclosure, but were able to keep it because time went on and systems were in place to help them keep it. So that's one issue. As far as um, buying in today's market, our market today is much stronger than it was back then. And yeah, I think people should own their own properties. You build up your own equity in your home. Um, Costs are a little bit higher to own than to rent, but it just gives you a feeling of stability. You're building equity in the property, and you also get the tax deduction of the interest. So um, that's up to $10,000. That was just recently changed. You get a tax deduction up to $10,000. So um, I think it's better. This is Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Joelle. This episode is brought to you by Foresighted in Andersonville at 5061 North Clark Street, the one-stop shop for cards, gifts, and vintage you've known since 2005, and the brand new custom framing shop at 5111 North Clark you're going to love. Come find your holiday spirit at Foresighted and Foresighted.com. Joelle, how do you become a sponsor? Well, Laura, any of our chamber member businesses or a business considering becoming a member can email us directly for sponsorship information at info at andersonville.org. We offer sponsorship for both one episode or four episodes in a row. We're always looking for new sponsors, and we also encourage listener feedback. So if you have a guest you'd like to see on the show, please email us at info at andersonville.org. You can also email us with questions, 
comments, or general neighborhood inquiries. We look forward to hearing from you. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share Always Andersonville, the podcast on iTunes. Can you share with us a few of your favorite home buying and home selling tips? Like how should home sellers and home buyers prepare for the spring market? Yes. Um, as far as home buyers are concerned, the first thing you need to do is to get your finances in order if they're not already and make sure that you get a So pre- get those budgets out of your head. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And also um, you need to make sure that you have a pre-approval letter. Really the first thing you need to do is go to ellenbaron.com and contact there me to work with me and uh, then I can help you. But also besides that, you need to set up your finances and get a pre-approval letter. If you're buying with cash, you need to have a pre um, a proof of funds letter in place. How about so, a picture of everything that's under my mattress? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? That's about the same amount of interest as if you were putting it in a bank. So I don't, <laughs> I don't blame you for holding it there. It's easy access too if you want to do anything special. So, um, and as far as um, the rest of the transaction goes, once you have that in place and you know how much you can actually afford, then you can decide how much you actually want to spend and look in the right area of the market to find a property that you like. There's four things that you think about when you're buying property. The four items are price, size, beauty, and location. And you can have any two of those in any property that you look at, you'll find two of those. If you can find three, it's fantastic. And if you find all four, it's a miracle. So there's always gonna be a little bit of give and take in where you're looking and what you finally purchase. For example, um, if one of the most important things is to be close to the train or a CTA line to get to work easily, um, then that has to be a priority. You can paint the walls a different color once you move in. You can always change out the light fixtures when you move in if you're buying a condo. If you're buying a single family home, if it's really important that you have a large yard um, or a fenced in yard because you've got dogs that you're bringing in, you know, those are things that you want to... Or you want to keep people out. Yes, or keep people out. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there's many different areas of the city that are just so incredibly vibrant right now. It's just awesome. I just sold a place in um, Logan Square. And while we were looking around, I learned about different areas that, frankly, I hadn't been in in quite a while. They're just incredible. The amount of activity and arts organizations all over the city now and great storefronts and coffee shops and the walkability is terrific. So as far as the buy side, that's what that is concerned with. As far as the sell side, um, a lot of people are very savvy. They have a lot of information coming at them as far as buyers too, by the way, have a lot of information they can get online about how to buy property, what to look for, or how to get your home ready for sale. Um, but I truly believe that it's best to figure out which realtor you're going to work with early on, because hopefully the person that you choose is going to have the knowledge base to help you with your downsizing and your staging. Um, I just listed a property in Uptown last week, and lucky me, he did all the staging. He didn't have to do the staging. That's just the way he lives. It's a great property over on Kenmore, right between Lawrence and Argyle, and um, it's fantastic. It's got all of what Argyle has going on and all what Lawrence Avenue has going on. It's a block from Broadway. It's a block from Sheridan, two blocks to the lake. You know, it's, it's just terrific, and so I think that it's going to sell quickly. And the amount of staging that had to be done on my part, I just gave him a couple tips about how to move some pictures around or replace some that were there, take down all the personal um, photographs. You don't really want people looking at who lives there, and they don't need to know that. 
they need to know if their couch is going to fit in there or if they like the kitchen, you know, that kind of thing. So um, for sellers, it's a good idea to get started well in advance. Um, again, for this particular seller, he was already living in a staged place, if you will, but very comfortable. And um, contact Ellen Barron at ellenbarron.com for more information. <laughs> so given that, you know, you've sold, you know, over 150 properties, do you have a favorite place that you like to list, you know, be it, you know, Greystone or Two Flat, you know, all of those things? What What's most appealing to you? Well, um, that's an interesting question. I hadn't really thought about that much. I, I, I think that um, it's really, truly a combination of the property and the, the human factor, you know, who I'm working with. I really like to work with nice people who um, trust my opinion and take my knowledge base seriously and believe in me. So that's really important part. As far as the architecture goes, I love vintage properties and I love bungalows and I love exploring homes and I like well-maintained homes. Um, it depends on who, you know, it really, I don't have one certain style. Let me put it that way. Um, single family homes, I would say are a little bit easier to sell than condominiums because with condominiums, there's a lot more, uh, documents and stuff that need to be gathered and reviewed and all of that. But, um, I've worked with some people who have beautiful homes. The older couple I told you about, um, who was referred to me by former client from like literally 30 years ago. Um, it was wonderful working with them. They had a beautiful, huge condominium on Lakeshore Drive. Vintage. It was built in the 1920s. The, it was very, very well maintained. They had a beautiful um, exterior courtyard behind the, you know, the main entrance in the back. Um, probably about, I think it was about 10 years ago, the building built a new garage. And so incorporated into the building out the garage was a rooftop deck. And it was just beautiful. But really, I, I must say that one of the things I like the best about my job is helping people. It really is. And meeting people and getting to know them. This particular couple, I found myself, I actually fell in love with them. I really did. It was just incredible. She reminded me of my great-grandmother. He reminded me of my dad. And um, they'll always have a special place in my heart. And unfortunately, he passed away um, about a month ago. So um, they called me to let me know. And... Um, Getting to know them um, was a blessing, and I really feel it was meant to be that they were sent to me to help me in my life. I'm crying. Aww. I can't believe it. To help me in my life and also for me to help them. And they uh, they felt the same way about me that I did about them. That's a beautiful story, and I'm sorry for, for your loss. Thank you. They were wonderful people. Not going to name names, but really yeah. incredibly wonderful people. I mean, it's just <clears> such, <throat> you know, it, it's it's you know, mo most oftentimes a brief interaction with folks, but it's so, there's so much involved in a real estate transaction that you do kind of form this bond, um, you know, even though it, it, it is this like just transaction that's going on, so. It truly is. I, I'll tell you one more story. I don't know if you want to hear this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, because it's, you know, selling real estate, it's not just selling houses. It's not just negotiating. It's really getting to know people um, again, it depends on how long, how much time you spend with them. This couple, I had worked with them for a year and a half before they even put the property on the market, they, before they were ready. And that, and in a year and a half of working together, so much, you learn so much of their story and there's so much of their lives change and sometimes animals or kids or every, you know, jobs change, everything kind of yes. can, can happen. Yes. 
And uh, this one, um, it's kind of a sad story, but I just want to show you how, um, talk to tell you how, you know, something that happened with clients I was working with. So I was selling a co-op property in Westridge again, and a woman uh, called me and said that she really wanted to see it, that she loves the building a lot, she has friends there, and she wanted to see the property. So um, I started working with her, and she told me that she had two children and that her um, uh, she used to own a home. I said, oh, well, what happened to the home? And she said, well, I don't have it anymore. And um, she said um, her husband wasn't with her anymore. And I said, oh, okay, you know, figured it was a divorce or whatever. Well, um, we got to know each other really well. Um, she is Chinese from China, and she's been here 30 years. She speaks English very well with a thick accent. And I, she said, I, you probably can't understand me. And I said, oh, actually, I can understand everything you're saying. You speak English very well. So part of the reason why I'm mentioning this is that she, did, she had a phone, but she didn't use a computer. So her daughter was the computer communication. And her daughter was um, in her early 20s. Her son was just graduating high school. And I got to know them really well. They came to with their mother when she signed the um, contract and all of that. And um, we were, they bought the property. I negotiated with the seller who, by the way, had moved back to England. So I was working with a woman in England. I mean, it's just incredible, the amount of people that I've met from all over the world, really. And um, one day I got a phone call from the daughter and she said, Ellen, I have a question here and I don't know how to answer it. And I was wondering if you could help me. And so we started talking and I said this and this and that and this. And um, and I said, you know, if you don't mind me asking, why are your mother and brother living with you, with you in your studio rental apartment? She said, um, well, they had to sell the house. And I said, and, and what happened to your dad? And he said, he died. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. When did he pass away? And actually, she didn't say he died. She said he committed suicide. And all of a sudden, I realized I'm not a realtor right now. I'm an adult woman talking to these young people whose father committed suicide and whose mom had a husband who committed suicide. It wasn't just affecting them. It was affecting the whole entire family. And and I asked if her brother was in the room with her. And she said yes. And I said, could you please put on the speakerphone? And she did. And I said to them, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry about what happened. Um, you do not have to fill out this form today. It can wait. Just be with each other and take care of each other right now. You do not have to do it. Just take care of yourselves right now. And And mom never told me this. The kids told me. And I didn't mention it to mom because it's really private. And But it turns out she thanked me like two days later. She said, thank you for talking to my kids the other day. It really means a lot to me. And so this is also part of what I love about my job. I do marketing. I show homes. I do open houses. I meet people. I help people figure out how to do a spreadsheet. I talk to the attorneys. I Sometimes, actually, I have to become the mean mom the mean mom in the transaction because someone isn't doing their job. And I do it really well <laughs> with respect, you know. So it's all of these things. It's not just about um, the type of property. But I will tell you one more story. This is a great story. Okay, so one of the perks about being a realtor is that every once in a while, I get invited to tour really, really high-end luxury condominiums downtown. So probably every week there's a group of realtors that put their listings on the market together and we do a tour. 
And um, for example, last week, oh, and sometimes I take my husband. So, you know, because you don't have this opportunity. I'm not selling 11 billion, excuse me, I'm not selling an $11 million property that he can walk through, you know, with me. But I took him with last weekend. And this property is on East Lakeshore Drive. It's between Michigan Avenue and the S-curve, whoops, right near Oak Street. Mm -hmm. And beautiful view looking north, right up Lakeshore Drive. The $11 million condo was actually two homes that had been combined, Mm -hmm. one on top of the other. It was just incredible. It was a great opportunity. And when you go into a home that's worth that much money, there's usually original artwork by, you know, I think there was a Toulouse-Lautrec in there and there was Monet in there and... Um, you know, so I get to see a lot of beautiful artwork, and that's really exciting. In fact, um, sometimes we just do that kind of like for sport. We go and look at these really expensive, beautiful high-rise properties. I'm not really selling in that area, but right they now. have really good food. Too, they do. Right? They have yeah. good, even food. the cookies are high end. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> really. And uh, you know, it, it's really fun. We went to an open house um, last year on Michigan Avenue. It was a penthouse apartment beautiful home that had been totally redone by the new owners. By new owners, I mean that they had lived there for about five years. And then unfortunately, Mrs. Seller, Mrs. Owner, passed away. She had cancer and she died just three years after they moved in. So, um, you know, but the bathroom alone was easily 15 feet long by about eight feet wide with beautiful marble floors and marble walls and marble, you know, of course, two, two sinks and, you know, got the tub over here, the gorgeous walk-in shower, all of that. And I think it had three balconies overlooking Millennium Park. And it was just beautiful. It was just gorgeous. So that's that's really one of my favorite things to do. And it's a lot of fun. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. I know. I want to go Sounds tour. like it would be fun for anybody. Just yeah. kind of like dress up and pretend like. I know I'd have to put on heels <clears throat> for that, I think. I'd have to brush my hair. <laughs> You'd have to brush your hair. But you know what? Maybe we can go sometime. I can invite whoever I want. Okay. Huh, I, like I, have, it. I have a real estate license. I have the license to snoop. That's that what I call it. Awesome. <laughs> what is one piece of advice you would offer to someone who wants to enter the real estate field? That's a good question too. Um, piece of advice. Well, of course you need to get your license. So the second, that's not a piece of advice. That's a fact. Um, the piece of advice I would give is to Really interview around to a different company. Excuse me, a couple different companies that you think might be a good fit. Um, when I interviewed with that properties, I interviewed at a couple different places. This was, you know, like I said earlier, 13 years ago. And to me, it was really important that I had people who dressed for work. I, you know, the front desk people. I wanted them to be dressed for work. I wanted them to present me as the realtor with my license at that company in a professional way. Um, and I also wanted offices that were, I could feel proud of bringing my clients to at the time. Um, yeah. So those are things that I would look for. Some people are very happy with smaller offices. I would, uh, strongly suggest you go to an office where they give you some training because it's, um, you can tell from this interview that it's such a multifaceted business. You really have to have a good start by learning a little bit about a lot of different things. And also you learn on the job. Um, so that's the most, the best advice I would give. Um, yeah. Do you want to know what the culture is of the company? We are really lucky at, at properties because we have our holiday party at the field museum every year. 
It's incredible. You know, we have the whole big room, caterers, and I get to see uh, who my colleagues are. They're representing me too. I represent the company, they represent the company, and they're also kind of related to me in a way. So I think that it's a really good idea to figure out which culture you want to go with, what's most important to you. Who um, throws the best holiday parties. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the reason to do that, but it is a bonus. It is, it is kind of so cool. So something about the size, I yes, guess. It, yeah, it if does. you can go to the Field Museum. We didn't always go there. I mean, there. we could go, but like, just like hang you'd, out. You'd just be in, in one corner. One of the exhibits, <laughs> The pay full price admission. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, yes, we have a lot of people at Ad Properties. There really are a lot of agents and a lot of staff, too. They, uh, the, the owners of Ad Properties treat the staff really well also. So it's really terrific. It's like but a again, family. It is like a family. And uh, you can't pick your family, can you? <laughs> but I guess in this, com- in this instance, you can. You can't pick your um, distant cousins, though. <laughs> so, you know, it's a little bit different. Um, Remax over there. No, no, I don't mean it like that. Remax is great. <laughs> They've kidding. got some really great agents. Everybody's different how they want to work and, you know. So what, what else can I help you with today? Well, we have <laughs> one last question. Okay. And it is a question that we ask of all of our guests. And that is if you could trade places with an Andersonville business for a day, you know, so you would put your license away, real estate license away, and you would go work someplace else, which business would you choose and why? Okay. Let me think about that. Um, does it have to be one or can I pick two? You can pick you two. Can pick okay. Two. I would say right off the top of my head, women and children first, because I, although I haven't been physically in the store lately, I've kind of watched their business grow ever since, I don't know if you know this, but they were originally under the train tracks on Wellington mm-hmm. in, a, in a very old building. And I went there back then. It was a, it was a new one. Linden and where? Yes, when Linden and Ann were owning it. And mm-hmm. then they owned over on Halstead, and I knew them there. And they were one of the first established companies to come to Andersonville. I remember, I don't know if you remember this or if you heard of it, but there was an old uh, resale shop called George's Resale Shop. Right, and where George's Ice Cream. Oh, yeah. yeah that is where it is, named after. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. I don't, I'm just learning that now. That's so cool. Well, so I used to shop there. That was a really cool business. But I've seen the business, the, the development of Andersonville grow, and it's just phenomenal. Um, I will also say that just a week or so ago, I was over at um, oh geez, the pub just south of Foster. Hopleaf. Hop there ah. you go. Okay. You had something to do with beer. So I was just at Hopleaf, and they've got a great business there, too. And I do have a history of working in nightclubs, by the way, and uh, waiting tables. So I might want to do that. That's a great place to hang out. I would love to hang out there. I was there for a reading. A couple of weeks ago, there were some writers who had written stories about different neighborhoods, and Andersonville was one of them. And um, it was just terrific. Was yeah, really Hopleaf hosts a lot of great literary events. Yeah. But overall, in Andersonville, I just love the whole vibe here. I love the whole uh, environment, and I love uh, the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce because I've said it before, and I'll say it again, and I'm not just saying this. I think you guys are awesome. The scope of different aspects of support that you give the businesses is terrific. And the festivals are really well run. And um, I even saw somebody at the last festival, the Art Festival, just south of Foster a couple weeks ago, someone from your office standing there doing her social media thing. You know, and that, that's really right on top of it. And that's really terrific. Another thing I'll say is that I've really, I've driven down Clark Street for years and years and years. I've lived up north here. My kids went to school at Hawthorne, which is in Lakeview, and I would drive them to work and then go on to um, 
Second City. And I've seen the businesses grow. I've seen the, the district grow. I've seen the storefronts turn into what they are. And I know that uh, Joel Berman has helped with the architectural interior of buildings, helping to get the storefronts have a certain look. The look here is one of relaxation and friendliness and high quality. That's, that's how I look at it, and unique stores. So um, I guess I might want to work at Hopleaf for the fun factor, and uh, I would like to work at Women and Children First for the historical factor and the support of that incredible business that they have there. Well, thank you so much, Ellen, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Ellen, please visit ellenbarron.com. Show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce. Find episodes streaming weekly on iTunes and Podbean with show notes available at andersonville.org.